0: This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network.
1: Welcome in. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Kenny and Heilprin on this beautiful night here in Madison, in lacrosse as well. Thank you for joining us. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin. I want to start the show with a question and I'll pose it to the people out there first. And then Zach, I'll ask your thoughts. What are, what's everyone doing tonight at six thirty? While you think about it out there, listening in your car, Zach, Heilprin, what are you doing tonight at six I'm going to be talking to you. That's a good answer. I realized that when I was crafting how I wanted to start the show, that we will still be on air. However, There is, I guess, the ability to have multiple screens up coming up at 630 tonight on ESPN plus and the SEC network is the Florida Gators spring game captained on one side of the offense by none other than Mr. Graham Mertz. Does that does that do it for you?
0: It doesn't do anything for me. Are you at all interested? No. No, I'm not interested at all. I've watched more good quarterback play in the last nine, nine practices than I saw probably in three years. Of, no, that's that's totally and completely unfair. That was a shot that didn't need to be taken. Um, I admire Graham Mertz because he always come out and meet the media. I admired him for that. Didn't nece- necessarily admire him for all his play. but um, So, no, I, I have very little interest in, in what happens down there, similar to Alex Hornibrook, though I think that there was a little more acrimony when – Hornibrook left as opposed to when Graham left. I think Graham left on much better terms than than Alex Hornibrook did, and for that matter, Jack Cohn. So um, I don't have I don't really have any really feeling one way or the other on it. I'm captivated by it, just to see how it plays out. It's it's blue orange game. It's like one side playing the other side. But I mean. What value does it hold? I just want he, he's wearing Tim Tebow's number fifteen jersey out there, which I don't understand either. Isn't that Anthony not,
1: Richardson's it, as well.
0: Uh, did they not retire Tim Tebow's number?
1: I don't think they did because that's what Anthony Richardson's I don't been wearing get that. the last couple of years. How they is that should. Possible? They should. Maybe they don't retire numbers. That's a, I guess so. I don't know the policy, but. I it, it captivates me. I'm just interested. and you just, you just want to see him again. Part of that is also college football not in me. I also think, and, and this might be taking it a step too far, but I'm very interested to see if, if he goes and plays really well and lights it up, then do we look back on what was around him for the last couple of years with more of a critical eye? With, with more critical thoughts. And that's not important. And, and we'll, well think, maybe talk about it during the season. I'm just, I'm captivated by how it's going to go. And when I saw that the spring game
0: was tonight, I was very interested. I think it's fair to say that we have already uh, agreed that the offensive system was flawed the last few years. Have we not? We have. All right. And certainly he plays a role in that. The inability to hit open wide receivers plays a bit of a role in that. But yeah, the offensive system was was flawed. Uh, there's there's a reason there's a new offensive system. It's not simply um, because uh they just wanted to change. the previous system was flawed nobody barely anybody was running it. Um, so yes, I am interested to see what he does like over the season, but in a stupid spring game on April uh thirteenth absolutely not because it doesn't mean anything just like everything he's done in practice doesn't mean anything just like everything Tanner Mordecai has done in practice doesn't mean anything until you actually go into the fall and do it he hasn't even won the job yet he could be the backup come fall it's a good point but if he goes on to win the Heisman
1: maybe we look back on tonight as on the 13th.
0: time he won the job as yeah. the time he burst onto the scene yeah one one practice in a, you know spring game going to Tilted in his favor. But
1: listen, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you on last year and the last few years. One would argue that he also began the Keontes Lewis breakout at this school and this
0: program, which I would probably give him credit for. My understanding is that Keontes Lewis only came because of him and the fact that he had a doppelganger that talks about him so much on the radio. So speaking of, of Graham there was something he said when he committed to Wisconsin.
1: That was the cover story on a magazine, but I don't remember which said he's going to bring, quote, I, I'm going to bring a natty to Madison. Now, Zach, you and other reporters spoke with the Wisconsin quarterbacks and Phil Longo yesterday. Also spoke with Luke Fickle today. We'll get into all that. Spring practice thoughts as well. And so, some other news and notes, so, some other things that have gone on that we haven't directly address, uh, addressed. But I wanted to start to shift actually to the Badgers and what's going on with a clip of Tanner Mordecai speaking to reporters yesterday. I firmly believe Coach Fickle is going to win a national championship. There he is. That is Tanner Mordecai saying he firmly believes that Coach Fickle is going to win a national championship at UW. Not to get into all that, but uh, Zach, what did you think of the availability with the quarterbacks? Can you tell me what he
0: said? I didn't hear the volume.
1: Well, that's because our mics are on. Oh, okay. it, it, it doesn't play in the studio. Uh, listen, you, listen. Had, you, had
0: you given me a heads up that we're going to be playing audio in this thing? I would have worn headphones. Otherwise, I normally don't. But What's well, uh, the clip you sent me earlier? So which is the national championship one? Yes. Or is it
1: the, uh, okay. It's the national championship one of Fickle when he is at Wisconsin.
0: Okay. All right. Um, it's a continuation of Mike Trestle, right? Isn't it? We came here to win sh- national championships, and that's what we're going to do. I have a little more of a player-driven spin on it. Okay. Um, To me, I loved it because it was understated. Like Graham... I don't want this to become the Graham-Mertz bashing hour. I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is there was a confidence in Graham that I don't necessarily believe that he actually believed in himself to that point. There was when he would talk about things, whether it was the national championship or whether it was something else. I didn't necessarily always believe that that confidence was genuine with Tanner Mordecai it feels a little different it's just I've done it already right I've I've done I've been a great quarterback I've thrown 72 touchdowns last two years I've done all these things and now I'm just going to come up in here and do it here and so he just has that quiet like confidence like he just said it matter of factly it wasn't like built up like you know we're gonna he's gonna do this he's gonna do that it was just yeah you know like yeah yeah, he's gonna he's gonna do it. So I, I I have no idea if it's gonna actually happen. I would probably say I would I'll leave you to be negative about it. But um, I'm not even I, doing I, that. I tonight. don't I don't hate I don't hate what he said. I don't hate what he said. I it's it's a feeling among the players. It's a feeling among the staff. The best thing about it was when they followed up because he was talking about championships, right? And he was followed up, and it was like. I'll play the other cut in what, a what kind of champion like what you know, what kind of championship? you's talking about He's like national championship and he's like, well, you only have one year to do it he goes, "Yeah, I know that's right, or something like that like it was really like matter of fact like yep so
1: here's what it I, kind of signals to me it, as you mentioned, he's done it on the field not only has has he done it statistically at SMU the last couple of years, but he has been previously in a college program that was pretty darn close to getting over that hump. He's at Oklahoma, and they are like that is a championship program. They're winning the Big 12. They're in the playoff. Now, they were really deficient on defense and couldn't actually win some of those playoff games or get smoked by 2019 LSU like everybody else did, but he's still in that building of what has been a championship program for years and years, so he knows it from that angle. It's also, yeah, obviously he's going to have a lot of buy-in to Fickle, because he's coming here and he spoke as well about the respect he's had for fickle at Cincinnati, but also the player buy-in to fickle's future in general. It's not just saying, okay, yeah, we're going to win a national title this year. I'm going to do it. It's saying, I believe in this guy at the helm so much, not even to mention the offensive coordinator, but the head coach first. It's like, I believe in this guy so much. And I'm sure other players feel the same way that they see him as one of those guys, which if you get that buy-in, that's one of the first steps to having the talent, getting the talent in and actually winning a lot of games. So it signals to be a little more than just the projection of what we're going to do this year, what they're going to do. But to say that, that, that buy-in, I I think it does point to the confidence, but that's a guy again, that's been in a championship program before and, and would know what it looks like. Yeah, for sure. So it excites me. I'm not doing the, the negative Kenny thing tonight. No, um, Mordecai. It's kind of what we count on for you for, though. Yeah, that's okay. Um, Mordecai also speaking to reporters earlier today. Yesterday. Uh, yesterday about the championship uh, aspirations, where he would like to take the program as it enters a new era. Um, championship status. That's it. On championships. It's so a,
0: so that, was the, that was the first one. That was the first comment that he made. And so someone followed up and asked him, like, what do you talk about championships? And that was the national championship one that, uh, that he said. It's a buzzword for sure. Yeah. It, it's definitely, and I, it's not unexpected,
1: but I kind of like it where first you hear Chris McIntosh and Fickle emphasize it over and over again at all of their press conferences when speaking about it. And it's, it, it's words that you hear from the top and then trickle down.
0: Look, this is something that I don't think has, has really changed over the years other than a little bit more of a focus on the national championship. But Barry Alvarez has always talked about it. He never wanted to talk about national championships. like He hated talking about that. But what he talked about was if you win the Big Ten, you, then you're going to put yourself in a place to be in consideration to win a national championship. Now, this is before the playoff, but it's it still holds. If you win the Big Ten West and you go and win the Big Ten, then you're going to have a chance to play, likely play in the playoff and play for a national championship. So, yes, championships are important, and it starts with Big Ten championships. Those are the ones that keep it your job, apparently, um, right? With Because <laughs> <laughs> Paul Chris was not competing for those these last three years. And so to me, championships, whether it's Big Ten or national, it doesn't. it's, it's kind of irrelevant at this point. We know what championship in the Big Ten brings. It brings an opportunity to win a national one. Sure, definitely. So,
1: I i mean, those were some of the things that stood out to me. What else stood out to you from speaking to the quarterbacks? Uh, Mordecai, also Braden Locke, and Nick Evers, and Miles Burkett, even. And then, obviously, Phil Longo yesterday. What else stood out to you?
0: Well, I thought it was important to note that, because a lot of people have been wondering why Nick Evers hasn't been getting reps, right? That, why is Marshall Howe your number three quarterback? Which is essentially what Phil Longo said yesterday. If he had, I mean, today, if there was the third quarterback and the first two guys went down, Marshall Howe would have been the third guy in. And it, he said that knowledge equals reps. They have that written up on their board in their quarterback room. All these, so all these rooms up in the McLean center, they have them that each position has a room and they always have these things written on the board. I've been doing interviews for the camp in some of these rooms and the the inside linebacker room has stuff written up on the board. Um, like those type of sayings, and for the quarterbacks, it's knowledge equals reps. And so Tanner Mordecai has played in this type of offense and studied his butt off the last few months to be ready for spring. Braden Locke played in a in a version of the air raid, the original version of the air raid with Mike Leach last year, and he played in a similar offense to the one Wisconsin's implementing in high school. And so, and he loves studying football. He loves being in the building and and stuff. And so that's why he's been getting the second team reps, and he's made a bunch of plays. Nick Evers admitted yesterday that maybe he did not prepare to the level that he needed to, to be ready for spring. And it's cost him reps here in this here, here in the spring. That's not to say that he won't be ever be able to reach that spot. Cause he is the most talented athletically and arm talent wise, if any guys in that, in that room, but there's other stuff to it. And Phil Longo said that when he was at Ole Miss, or excuse me. Um, uh, yeah. At Ole Miss, he had a quarterback that was uber talented big arm, everything. But when you put those guys in the game or you put those guys in practice, it hurts everybody else if they don't know the system. If they don't know what's going on on the field and where guys are supposed to be in, who's who's running this and who's running that, then it hurts the rest of the offense in building cohesion among them. And so he's not going to do that with Nick Evers. Down at Ole Miss, it was Shea Patterson and Matt Carell that ended up being on the field because they knew what they were supposed to do. Michigan legend Shea, Shea Patterson. Patterson. Yes, but like they got the they they were not as talented as the guy that was sitting on the bench. Um, Who was that guy? I don't remember. Oh, and a, I didn't go and, and I didn't go and look. I'm gonna have to look because I'm interested. I mean, but so that that is that is what's keeping Nick Evers off the field right now, and it's why today at practice he didn't get any team reps. It's in it's knowledge equals reps, and right now the knowledge is is lacking for Nick Evers. So,
1: I, I mean, obviously, it's it's not the greatest. I, I don't want to ask if it's a concern because Tanner Mordecai is the starting quarterback. But, I mean, to me, it does feel like something where you go forward into next year when he would presume, like, he could end up battling for the job. It seems fixable compared to, say, being deficient in arm strength or being deficient in playing the position where it seems more fixable than other things.
0: Ed. So going forward, I agree, I, Deacon Hill, and Deacon
1: Hill agrees as well. It's it, like it, it's something that that could be amended as we go forward
0: into next year. Yes, but we're three we just half, have to see if it does. Three and a half months in this, it'd be totally unfair to sit here and say his career isn't going to be nothing based on three and a half months. It's a different offense than what was run at, at Oklahoma. It's it's not something that he was totally comfortable with in high school, like that he did in high school. So it is. It's but it also has to be acknowledged and he acknowledged it himself that he was not studying as hard as he needed to coming into spring and being ready for spring. Whereas Braden Locke did and also already had the advantage of previous knowledge. And that's why he's your number two. And I think Evers has a way to catch up to him at this point. So you're looking at the future of Wisconsin football, Tanner Mordecai this year, but Braden Locke has uh, a leg up and and i don't think it's a leg that that's not something he can't be caught but it's a huge leg up right now with the reps that he's getting in spring that nick evers is not getting hopefully it's somewhat of a a message it's a wake up a wake up call wake up call that's a good way to
1: put it going forward uh so what else stuck out from from talking to the quarterbacks i saw a great quote from miles burkett that jesse temple tweeted out that stupidly I don't have in front of me uh, about why he's sticking around and and being a competitor
0: yeah he's not afraid of competition he has said that before um, you know when this this whole thing went down and that's fine and I respect the hell out of him for saying it is he going to still be feeling the same way if he's fourth or fifth on the depth chart I find it hard to believe that he's going to want to sit on the bench his entire career so um, I think it's awesome that he wanted to stay here and compete and he's never going to go anywhere until you go somewhere that's that's what it is. I, as I said, uh, n- there's no I have no knowledge of that whatsoever. Obviously, this is just me in my opinion, which means very little um, when it comes to Miles Burkett and his decision making. But it just feels if he wants to play, it feels like it's going to be tough to do it here.
1: That is, yeah, that is what because you also have Mabry Mettower coming into 2024. It's a it's a room that Fickle and Longo have shown that they want to stack and maybe overstack honestly, going forward. Because you can almost never have too many or too many backup plans going down into the future. Because you never know who's going to transfer out. You never know who's going to get hurt. Where that's a room, the worst thing you could find yourself in is the situation Wisconsin actually was in for years prior where they probably did not have enough depth or talent there.
0: So that's... I I think the lack of competition was significant.
1: Yeah. So um, that's that's the quarterback stuff. And, and I mean, the, the quarterbacks, rightfully so, have been one of the more prominent topics throughout the spring. I want to shift a little bit to today and practice, and we'll get to takeaways from practice and thoughts from what happened on the field coming up here in a little bit. But I saw this quote from Luke fickle after practice, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Said, quote, we've had too many guys that didn't make practice today or too many guys that are dinged up. You've got to find ways to be able to get out there and go practice. Number nine, everybody's going to be a little bit hurt. What did you think of, of that? Maybe what do you think it means? Or is there anything to take away from that? Because it seems kind of odd.
0: I think it's pushing guys. I think it's a, I think it's a message sent more so than... And I, and I feel like it's not a message that was sent simply to us. I think it was probably a message that was sent at, in the team huddle afterwards. But I looked on the sideline and looked at the guys. It's It wasn't different than any other practice that we've seen this year in terms of guys being available... To play. But I, I do think that there is a lack of um, depth in certain spots that is affecting them, outside linebacker being one of them. Uh, running back, uh, they're, they're starting to get some guys back, but running back has been a little bit of one as well throughout spring. But um, I think it's just a message to fight because you're, you're in practice number nine. You've got, what, six left? And so I think, it's, I think it was a message to his team that you have to keep on pushing through and that you can't just hey it's going to be tough. Everyone's got dings, everyone's got bruises, but you have to you have to push through. You have to be tough mentally. And that has been both tough mentally and physically. That's been a a uh, point hammered home, I think, during winter conditioning and certainly during spring, you have to be mentally tough to push through things. And and whether you're physically tough is is one thing, mentally tough is is overcoming little bumps and bruises that, that are potentially holding you out um, that maybe you think you can't overcome, but if you mentally can, you should be out there. I don't mean to to present this
1: question as something that I think, but what came to mind when I read the quote is could it be possible that, that the team is practicing too hard this spring? As it's I, I mean, yeah, you have a you have a roster and a scholarship number that probably needs to change. In the coming weeks? Needs to. Or is it probably? Needs to. Needs to. In the coming weeks. And you're implementing your system. And with winter conditioning and and transitioning into your culture, it's probably good to set expectations and set the bar for what it's going to be going forward. As the young guys who will be here for years are able to to grow and, and able to become leaders. But do you think it's possible? And again, I don't necessarily think this. I'm curious. Do you think it's possible they could be going too
0: hard? this spring I don't in know the what, name of of health and yeah, sustainability. I don't know what too hard means in in the sense that you're asking it. Are you are we saying like too fast? Like too that like could be it running and that type of stuff? Because I it has been obviously more intense than than past years. In terms of physicality, it hasn't been any more physical than any other spring that Wisconsin has seen. They've had injuries it, the injuries this year are no different than the injuries they've had before. You always do. And th- there's always the discussion in NFL circles
1: entering training camp because a bunch of teams don't put pads on during training camp these days to
0: stay healthy. And yeah. there's I mean they don't put them on like full pads like hitting full full pads. Correct.
1: Yeah. And and many out there I've heard argue that they're going to be really rusty and then the the regular season feels like the preseason and but they're healthy. So it's the argument of of either or which yeah. is more valuable. I, uh, so if if the physicality is all the same, and and this is just my curiosity with it, then I don't think that's a factor. That was more the question of, of could they have taken what has happened last year, what happens normally, and risen it up a level physicality-wise, which if it's not the case, then
0: I think it's a non-story. I've seen... I'm almost positive. They've been in full pads once in spring. Once. So... um I don't... It's not, and they haven't had live tackling yet. And they probably won't. So, in terms of, like, the old-school old, old school physicality that I think maybe some people are thinking of, it's not that at all. At all. Guys, are, you're getting yelled at if you go to the ground. Um, Kurt, Kurt Neal accidentally hit the quarterback the other day. And it was, like, hands up, like, running away, like, oh, my God. Um, we've seen very few big hits. Uh, we've heard the hits, like, because the defense goes, Boom! even though he wasn't going to get, even though he didn't get boomed, it was going to be, it was going to be boom. You can hear the guys in the Is that line. a trestle thing? I don't know if it's a trestle thing or not, but it was, it's boom every time you get anywhere close to a, <laughs> to a guy that, uh, cause you can't, cause they know they can't hit him right? They can't, they can't go up and, and absolutely lay him out. So, I mean, it's happened a couple of times, but like for the most part, it hasn't. So you get the, you get the vocal aspect of it without the physical aspect of it.
1: All right, cool. That, th- th- that does quell a lot of the, not worry. The, but a lot of the suspicion I had after reading that quote. So so we'll see how it progresses. I want to talk about the practice itself. It's Kenny and Heilprin uh, again, live on Tuesday, 6 to 7, and now in this time slot, no more Monks Bar and Grill for now uh, as we go forward into the summer and as spring ball concludes. When we come back, spring practice number nine today, some takeaways, I have some questions in regards to developments, maybe things we haven't talked about in a couple weeks. That's coming up next. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we are back. It is Kenny and Heilprin. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Show obviously in podcast form shortly thereafter if you miss it. Live on Tuesdays as well, 6 to 7. So, Zach, I I was thinking, obviously I have not made it down to spring practice this year, but I was actually, and call this a spin if you want, the benefit, I think, of what we do here is that you're there and you see it all. And I somewhat have a lot of the, I, I have a lot of the outside thoughts that everybody else does. And it's a good platform to ask those instead of, developing my own thoughts on them because i would consider your opinion extremely valuable
0: yeah if you're looking for people that uh, are informed on both sides of the table about things that they've seen which you just admitted you haven't clearly that's what the camp is for yeah 100 percent. you and jesse temple uh, i always actually i
1: always advise people listen to the camp maybe even sometimes before this show <laughs> when it comes to direct spring practice thoughts yes and then here you get what the projection is after Graham Mertz's spring game at Florida, which yeah. is starting right now, and I can't wait to watch it. I can't we believe the TV
0: hasn't. It. Oh, it's on ESPN Plus. It's on My ESPN God.
1: Plus. Nuts, no, golf channel, LPGA event. So, uh, takeaways from this practice first. Uh, practice number nine. I want to hit the just just general thoughts, and then I have some specifics as well.
0: General thoughts. It was not a overly exciting practice, to be honest with you. The last two have been a little rough, which means the defense has been playing some defense. Which like that like the offense had their moments today. It wasn't like overwhelmingly defensive, but you know, it's it's been a little bit more even than it had been the previous practices before that. And the defense is starting to to roll around. So uh Latu a second straight practice, really, really good. Um, making some plays on on uh on passes and coming up and filling holes very <laughs> boom-ish. <laughs> um I thought Gio Pius, who we haven't heard a ton of, great job breaking up a screen uh, today. Um, Jordan Turner, all, I mean, everywhere today. And actually, I, I don't know if it may have been a little kick in the butt because he got some time with the second team as well. Um, he was teamed with Tate Grass, and, uh, and they allowed Jake Chaney to, to play a little bit with Mujang Mehta up uh, on the first team, so maybe there was a little bit of that. Jonas Declona, a guy that, uh, one of the young guys, one of the true freshmen. Uh, had a very good day. It's been, I think, probably a, a rough spring for all those young guys having to having to play against this offense. But he had a really nice day with a couple of nice breakups, especially on a deep one to Vinny Anthony. Um, Tanner Mordecai, your guy, nice little our guy. No, no, not only
1: my guy. And when I say our guy, I mean everybody who, who is a Badger fan,
0: everybody who's invested in Mordecai. He is
1: our collective guy. Actually, that's a good place to draw the line. Do you own Mordecai stock? Are you in? Do you do you have any thought to not just sell it off as soon as the stock gets, the price gets high after Buffalo and they go crazy? Are you going to stick with it through the valleys of the season? Maybe even future into the NFL.
0: Maybe he does more than Jack Cohn is doing. It's probably going to be Doge-esque for me. Uh, get up and grab it while it's hot. Or, or ride the train up and jump off the top. And, uh, and, and, you know, for Wisconsin's sake, hope that it keeps on rising. But I... Maybe have cashed out. Um, oh, I'm in it year. for the long run. I know you are. You
1: can find me, run. even if it, even if it craters out and it goes down to one cent. How do you not? You have, can find me still in there. How do you not have it like actually on his face on a coin yet? Because I'm not gifted when it comes to Photoshop. I posted the picture that I posted. It was of uh, the graph of Dogecoin in spring of 2021. Yeah. And I made some nice edits and. I uh, made it more to coin,
0: but you're like, like the Shiba Inu, Inu dog on. Whatever. Okay, but Maybe this is something I can workshop and present it as my own work. All right. So two guys. Yes, exactly. Steal it from somebody else and present it as your own. Uh, that has <laughs> never failed anybody uh, at this company. Uh, so Skylar Bell and Will Pauling both. I think the slot guys, and we know what Josh Downs was, right? Um, not Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Downs. Josh down. Uh, we know what he was at North Carolina. What he was able to do in the slot. These two guys are both, I think, going to be the target of a ton of passes. Will Pauling has the had the catch of the day, going up over uh, Owen Arnett and somehow holding on as as Owen tried to rip the ball away from in the corner of the end zone. Um, so it was actually a uh, it was a nice day, but it wasn't overly. Um, overly playtastic play that, but flashy flashy i think it goes there we did have another fight so there's that oh uh punches thrown oh a couple of couple of transfers pauline and jason matry the uh, the cornerback out of boston college i don't know how it started but there were punches thrown luke fickle was the first one there and he sent th- and, so when you throw punches when you if you have these little scrums that's fine when you throw punches that's a lap See, it's also again Stupid. It's, this
1: always comes up. Why would you ever punch somebody with a football helmet on?
0: Yeah, exactly. But so it's they. It's painful. It, it's painful. It's stupid. All that good stuff. So they had they had to go on laps, and uh, Will Pauling went one way, and Maitre went the other way, and so like we were watching, like they're gonna have to cross paths here at some point, and they they cross paths, and I was expecting like a dap, like a little some knuckles dab them up, or uh, like a handshake. There was none of that. Instead, and the music was blaring, so you couldn't hear exactly what was said. The talking continued between the two, and they were yelling back and forth at each other as they as uh they kept on running. So, um, that was entertaining. And like three minutes later is when Will Pauling caught the touchdown pass, and it wasn't on Matry, but the entire offense just blew up, and they just ran and like uh and converged on him. It was it was fun. That was that was probably the play of the day. So there's a lot of juice
1: even when a practice may be not flashy or juiceless play-wise. It's never there's, juiceless. There's a lot of juice. Yeah. There's, it may not, have, may not be flashy, but it's never juiceless. All right. Uh, one thing I actually should have led with before you got to your thoughts, but goes into Fickle. I saw the video of his. I watched his availability earlier on YouTube, and he was wearing a long-sleeve Under Armour because you guys are outside, and yeah. it's sunny. I wanted to ask you first. Take away the football and all the important stuff. What do you do about the sun at these practices? Because speaking for myself, sitting out there for X amount of hours, anytime more than 10 minutes, I'm, I'm toasted instantly.
0: Yeah. Do you so, find the shade? So somebody who was you, you're a journalism major right, in college. Yep. And you covered sports, right? Yep. And you covered, so you, but you never covered practice. I covered practice. Okay, it was. Which side of the stadium do you usually did you usually sit on? Oh, I was. I, I think I was standing, sitting in the shade. So at seven o'clock or eight o'clock in the morning, there's no sun on the west side of the stadium, unfortunately. So because it got it's it's a little cool. So I'm, I I I had my hood up this morning because it was it was a little cool and the the sun doesn't hit you until the end of practice at ten o'clock is when the, is when it starts hitting the stands. So we have not had to worry about that. But yes, me personally, like when it comes to fall camp. I have to be very, very careful because um, uh, I'm follically challenged, and so it uh, it mm. can get, it can get ugly pretty quickly. Yeah, it can get to the top of the dome. It gets it gets
1: it gets red. <laughs> it gets it gets hurtful very quickly. Um, I, all right, uh, to the important things though. I saw Jack Pugh was mentioned again. I I heard Fickle asked about him, young tight end who is a sophomore, redshirt freshman maybe, redshirt sophomore hasn't played much. Is standing out a bit. Where do we stand depth chart wise in terms of what you've seen, or at least where? Like, what does the tight end room look like? Yeah. Because I... all the all the buzz is wide receiver. All the buzz is quarterback. Obviously, running back and the new O line.
0: Tight end has kind of gone under the radar. Well, tight end's another room that's hit with injuries right now. Um, obviously, we don't. They don't have Clay Cundiff. Uh Hayden Rucci just returned to practice this week, but uh, Cam Large hasn't been practicing. And uh, Colt Dokovic hasn't been practicing. So essentially, it's been Jack Pugh and Jack Eschenbach and Riley Nowakowski. Those are the three guys that have been able to uh, take a majority of the reps, along with JT Seagree's being thrown in there as well. So, it, it really, with the first team, Ben, it's been the two Jacks, Jack Pugh and Jack Eschenbach. And they have both made plays. I think you would probably point to Jack Pugh as making more plays, but he's just, he's a very athletic, big dude. I think. We'll see a basketball ha- player. Yes. A very good basketball player. It hadn't like, had was more of a basketball player than a football player in, in high school. So we'll see what happens when Clay Cundiff comes back. Cause I think he's still maybe their most complete tight end, but we'll see where he is. Health wise. He's been doing a little bit individual work. I don't know if he's going to get any teamwork. Probably not, but Jack, he's going to have a role this year. And I think, I don't know how big it's g- going to be. It's probably going to depend on um, Clay Cundiff's health. And maybe. And they don't play a ton of them. That's the other thing. They don't play a ton of them. So you're maybe getting one on the field, maybe two at a time. Hilarious thing today was Hayden Rucci lining up behind the quarterback in the, uh, in, the shotgun. Full, uh, in, shot, in shotgun. A fullback? In shotgun. A pistol. In pistol. Pistol adjacent. So he was he was the guy lined up behind the quarterback, and the running back was, was next to – and the pistol was was next to the quarterback, as they obviously are. Huh? It was – Weird. And me and Jesse Temple looked at each other like, why would you have a tight end there? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But just just let Longo cook. I'm I'm, I'm not going to judge him. I'm still in the honeymoon
1: stage of all the new staff where they can do next to no wrong. So, whatever Longo wants to do offensively, color me intrigued, sign me up. I'm all in. You can't do anything wrong until you lose a game. Also, a very good point. Or uh, maybe should lose games if not for great defensive play. You can't do any wrong as Longo until the offense stops performing yes so um so there was that and then a big story has also been the offensive line and the snapping yeah has that improved
0: is this still something we're monitoring as a show it has improved we are monitoring it because it's a shotgun snap every single play so we get to there's a very large uh sample size uh, that we get to dissect on a regular basis here and outside of one from uh I didn't notice any bad snaps. So I think that's, that's certainly not noteworthy. Really, I think it's also noteworthy really, when we were talking to the quarterbacks on Wednesday. They actually, the the centers actually came in and were doing some snapping with each other uh, off the side of the uh, McLean Center. I don't know if that was a something they did on their own or if it was something that was suggested, but all of them were in there doing it. So clearly it's necessity. So we'll continue to monitor that situation. I was also going to say that there was a change in the offensive line. Yes. Today. And you mentioned centers. Joe Huber had been the number two center for most of, of spring. He was with the first team offensive line at left guard in place of Trey Wedig, who was then at right tackle with the second team. So, and Dylan Barrett took over as the second team center. So I think that snap wise, notable. And they're deep.
1: So I, I do somewhat expect to see movement, whether it's because a guy gets dinked
0: up, or whether they just did you see what works cuz it's a deep group they're going to play seven to eight guys on a regular basis because of the offense that they run
1: oh give me i i need a jumbo package though we have what? to get long go on the horn and and whether it's whether it's for a very special occasion just a singular jumbo package something that has more than six offensive linemen on the field at the same time
0: more than 6 yeah.
1: Be lucky to get six on there. Okay, well, more than five. Okay, we'll start there. Baby okay. steps. Baby I was steps. I was thinking another lineman in as a tight end. Yeah, just something I would like to carry over. Uh real quick me- me- meshing the elite. Yes, exactly. That's another buzzword. Before we uh, step away, another thing we're monitoring is special teams. I don't know if this has been a talking point elsewhere when it comes to spring practice, just in turn, not in terms of who's the better kicker, but in terms of how special teams is managed at practice compared to the previous regime, because the results in the previous regime, whether the process was good, the results were terrible. What is the process now? How is it managed in practice? Is it more? Is it the
0: same? Is it less? It's always usually a little less in spring. And it's especially that case when it's inside, since they've been outside for the last three practices, we've seen a little bit more. We saw more kicking today with uh, Nathaniel Bacos taking, Pretty much all the uh, reps to begin. And how then, does how does the leg look? It looks good. Um, Vito Calvaruso also got an opportunity from 41 that would have been good from 70. Okay, I see. You like that? But there were no videos posted on Twitter. this No time. videos posted on Twitter. No videos. And I'm gonna go retweet that one of these days. No, you're not. <laughs> would it have been good from 70? He 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 was good. It was like good from 58 with ease. Yeah in yeah. The warm up. No, I, I'm not debating that. It's just it's hilarious because he was horrible in the game. <laughs> it's the really game, the game. The game was was woof. It's really uh, so. Yeah, no, they we've seen more punting. We've seen special. like when you have a coach that's a head coach like Luke Fickle is going to be involved in special teams as much as he is. It is going to change a little bit, but there's not as much special teams work in spring than there is going to be in fall. They don't. They're not really scheming stuff up um, for special teams at this point. All right. Let everybody know that we are monitoring that situation as well.
1: Uh, It's Kenny and Heilprin. A lot more to get to. The Florida spring game is on at the moment. If you're sitting at home and wanting something to feast the eyes upon for the next hour or however long it goes, I'm sure highlights will be up on YouTube afterwards as well, if you're interested. But it's Kenny and Hyoprin. We have a lot more coming up. We'll be back after this. This is
0: Kenny and Hioprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network.
1: All right, we are back. It is Kenny and Heil bringing taking you up until seven o'clock. Badger spring practice going on. We got Graham Mertz in the Florida
0: spring game. Breaking news here.
1: Uh, yes. So during the break, we, we popped the game on and Pete Dammel's out there. The The first note was that he spoke with Napier, uh, Billy Napier, Florida head coach and others there, not to make this a Graham Mertz show, but that he and six of his assistants Assessed every quarterback in the portal and, quote,
0: thought Mertz was the best. And so there's that. There's there's that. And then he said, in speaking with former Wisconsin coach Paul Christ this week, which is the first time I've seen anybody, anybody, quote, Paul Christ and said that, they, that they've talked to him media-wise, have talked to him since he was fired. Um, obviously, uh, they almost got the hookup. Maybe um, I know he's got, I know he's, I know he's close to Luke Fickle, so maybe he's got the hookup with Paul Christ as well.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Again,
0: what happens on the
1: field, who knows? But it's a it's a situation that captivates me as we move into the fickle and longo era at Wisconsin. So uh speaking of, of spring practice and what what you have seen, the standouts and such, I was I was watching a video on, on Wisconsin's football Twitter, as I often do, which again, they do a great job of. It was a Mike Brown, wide receivers coach, being miked up. And it got me thinking a bit of uh, the staff that Fickle has assembled, I think is very impressive, nearly, pretty much from top to bottom. And the more I thought about it, though, I, I don't know if there are others take away Fickle, uh, take away Longo, and probably Trestle as the two big guys but position coaches that impressed me more. I don't know if if there are more on the staff than Mike Brown. And I was just considering that in terms of him playing in the NFL, him being a really, really fast riser in the college coaching ranks from a GA at Michigan, a GA at one other school to running backs coach at Liberty, and then instantly Cincinnati wide receivers coach, Cincinnati wide receivers and passing game coordinator. He's risen in the ranks pretty significantly in only five or six years after playing in the NFL. And, and, and when you are rising that fast, that has to signal to me that you are looked at highly, looked upon highly, and are doing a really good job. It just got me thinking of who are the more impressive guys that, that are on this staff. And I, I might say Mike Brown is, my, is the guy I'm most impressed by so far, aside from, again, Fickle, Longo, Trestle. Do you have any that come
0: to mind? Well, Paul Haynes, because he had, he somehow managed to deal with PJ Fleck for a couple of years and not kill himself. So there's, there's that. Um, no? All right. Uh, I, no, that's good. I, I feel like, I didn't think about that. I, I feel like, uh, he's impressive. Um, we haven't necessarily gotten to, we've talked to all these guys. I don't know, necessarily know if we've gotten to, uh, know them to the point where, um, you're, like, overly, overly impressed with with what they do. Mike Brown has to be out there, though, because in terms of intensity and running around, like, he's running after his guys after every single catch. Like, down today, on one-on-ones, he almost stayed right with one of his guys as they were about to catch the ball. It was hilarious. Like, it's like, who's playing defense here? Because it was on air, right? I shouldn't say one-on-ones. It was on air, and he almost caught up to the ball. It was insane. Um, so it kind of reminded me of Thomas Brown, who... Was Wisconsin's running back coach for one year. And at Iowa in 2014, I vividly remember Melvin Gordon breaking off this like 90 yard run down the sideline. And on like to his left is Thomas Brown, like not stick, staying step for step with him, but almost. And uh, Melvin Gordon's a fast dude. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there were, there were, there's that. Like that to me really, really obviously uh, stood out. But Plus, there's a lot of talent in
1: the wide receiver room, but things have to be going right if we hear all of these great notes, not even about the established guys, but about young guys like Will Pauling and Chris Brooks even that they're in, and, and there seems to be in a new offense for a lot of them that it's, it's clicking and they're performing.
0: Yeah, it is. So I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that maybe have stood out. Um, ugh, it, it's tough right now, Ben. It's tough. I, I, I think Mike Trestle obviously stood out. The way that he talks, the way that his, his, his energy is, he, he does stand out. He's not one of those young up-and-comers, if that's the type of guys that you're talking about. But um, Greg oh Greg Scruggs. Greg Scruggs. That's Greg another one. Is, Greg Scruggs is one yeah. of those dudes. It was hilarious today. So after practice, we're just sitting there waiting for Luke Fickle to come over and talk. And Greg Scruggs has a thing where if you're, on the, if you're between the white lines, if you're on the field and you're a defensive lineman, you have to be running. And so as we're sitting there, uh, and guys are walking off the field, and Gio Piaz is, for some reason, just like strolling like off, and you can hear him yelling, "You're on my field! You're on my field!" And uh, you see the guy running away, and then, for some reason, uh, another guy came walking down the white line again, and Rodas Johnson's on the outside, like he's he's not dumb, he's 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 on the outside of the field, and he saw the other guy. He goes, "I mean, what are you doing? What?" What are you doing? And Scruggs is right there, man. So, um, yeah, he's he's a he's a fun dude.
1: Yeah, that's another good one, at, at least just hearing him talk and then also what it sounds like, the stuff on on the field or on the sideline. Um, I, I can report that uh, they are running the RPO game at Florida Spring Green, and Graham Mertz has made some completions. He's had some misses down the center of the field, but that is <laughs> – that's all we got from there uh, after the the Thamel nugget. That's gonna do it for us tonight, though. We will be back Tuesday at this same time, reacting to spring ball and all the other stories that break. Thanks for hanging around, everybody. See ya.